you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. Have you ever just met someone and immediately you knew that there was just a really amazing connection? Well, Patty Dominguez and I just had a 10 minute pre-conversation before we went live on here. First time I've met her and already, I don't know if you've ever watched Anna Green Gables, but she feels like a kindred spirit. Patty is the founder of Positioning to Profit. She's a best-selling author, advisor, and contributing marketing expert. Her work has been featured on Smart Business, Investors Business Daily, New York Daily News, and American Express Open Forum, to name a few. Now, prior to 2013, she worked in Fortune 50 and management consulting as the head of the global agency strategy, managing just under a billion dollars that's b billion dollars in marketing spend over her tenure in corporate america and she now helps service-based entrepreneurs claim their category of one status based on their unique abilities and welcome to the show patty Thank you so much, Kim. I'm super happy to be here to hopefully share tremendous amounts of value for your audience today. So Patty, I loved it is how to create that category of one so in tune with the author to authority concept. And I'm going to let you loosen a little bit to talk about that. But first, why don't you take a few minutes, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your story and how did you come to help service-based entrepreneurs? I mean, obviously you were very high up in corporate America. Yeah, thanks, Kim. I spent quite a few years in corporate. It was like 18 years in total. And I just followed the track that my parents had kind of uh, expected of me, right? Go to school, get a good job. And so my dad's biggest dream was for me to have a very good job that had an office and then I had a car and a cell phone. I mean, he's a blue collar worker, right? So that was the big aspiration. And so I did that and I was really grateful because I had the opportunity to work with some of the biggest brands in the world. And in that process, I learned a whole lot. And to be honest with you, it was this culmination of working with different brands and being parts of conversations where people were product launching and bringing things to market, bringing new ideas to market. So as I look back, I'm very grateful for that time. It wasn't until 2008, I was at the time in a consulting firm and I was unceremoniously given the pink slip. Right. I didn't know any better at the time, but what I realized it in that moment, I was like, I can't believe this is happening, but I did the schooling. I got my MBA. I did all these things that I was supposed to do. How can I be like left loose and no explanation? And it was just because of the economy. Right. So mm-hmm. the long story short, what I really came to realize is that my job is not an asset. Your job is not an asset. And yeah. when I read uh, on this concept of really creating a business system for yourself, 
I said to myself, well, I have to figure this out. Again, I came from a blue collar family. Their biggest thing was like, let's get you an education. So I had to take personal responsibility to, to figure this out. So I went back to corporate for a little while. Uh, again, very grateful for that opportunity. January of 2013, I worked one day so that I can get my big fat bonus that I had earned because <laughs> I had to work one day in the new year. And then off I went into entrepreneurship. Now, in that process, I did go through a lot of evolution around, I am no longer a corporate person. And I really negated so much of what I had learned. And I said, no more, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. Surely I could figure this out. A little bit of ego there because I was just like, you know, this is it. I'm alone. You know, I'm free. And what I really came to find out is that it is a big challenge to be an entrepreneur. You know that, Kim. And so it's like really figuring this out. And you could either hang out, go to yoga class, hang out for coffee and say, I'm an entrepreneur. Or you can really realize that you create the environment, the results. I mean, it's 100% on you. I had to learn a lot about that. But in that process, I was really trying to find my way. And I have a lot of self-doubt going around, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? And it wasn't until I had a really important conversation with somebody who became a mentor of mine early on, an entrepreneur forever. He had said, listen, entrepreneurs create new money. You just have to create. You mm -hmm. have to be in a position to create that. So there's something about that in that perfect moment that I was like, okay, it's up to me. It's yeah. up to me. And then I, I reflected back and in saying, initially I, was, I, I had positioned myself as a business coach. That's not enough. I was like, well, maybe social media angle, that's not enough. At the time I was still doing some consulting and I remember being on a consulting call and that was like the big epiphany moment where I was just on this consulting call, bunch of people on the Zoom call, you know, brand managers, whatnot. And I was like, wow, all of these people on this call having a conversation about the positioning of a chocolate chip cookie. So I don't know if you could see there, there's like a little pillow there, my chocolate chip cookie, it's like right in the corner. But that was like the big aha, like what? That's it, that's my angle. Because mm -hmm. the big brands understand the positioning of any product in order to differentiate. Yes. And in the solopreneur space, we're not doing that enough. We think it's the certification. We think it's the accreditation. We think it's about being on all the platforms and speaking to all the people. Yes, in part. But what I, what I purport is that having the foundational principles of positioning first is the essential so that you can create your category of one. You know, I loved what you just said there because, you know, people think that they've got to get on the stage first. No, you've got to lay the foundation to get on the stage. If you get on the stage without the foundation, you're not going to achieve any results. You talked about that positioning, right? Yeah. If yes. you don't have that positioning in place so that you stand out above the crowd, because just being on a stage does not cause you to stand out in front of a crowd. Yeah, okay. Sorry. You are standing out in front of a crowd, but <laughs> Technically, you yes. may not enjoy the results you get. <laughs> and the idea here is like position yourself, equip yourself, empower yourself so that mm. when you are on that stage, you're in a position so that people are like, wow, she really stood out. He really stood out. That was really memorable. And the idea behind this, the whole game around positioning is just to capture mind share to capture attention because let's face it attention holy cow you can't get people's attention they're bombarded with noise so yes. in a cluttered market how do you create that that white space the open conversation 
so that people remember you. That's what this is all about. And the thing is, too, is positioning is so critical because, you know, I have a saying, if you're trying to be everything to everyone, right, you'll be nothing to nobody. Right. You know, so Definitely. when you're standing on that stage and you don't have that strong message or you don't know who you're talking to, you're not creating any impact on that stage. And I've been on some stages and, you know, the stages I've been on have cost me money because sometimes you have to pay to play in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I made sure that, you know, my message was clear and I knew who I was talking to because I did not want to waste all that money I just spent to get up on that stage to be unclear. Exactly. Exactly. Because to that point, the worst thing that you can say is like, oh, well, my product is for everybody. No, it's actually really not. And you can always tell when people answer that everybody needs this. Okay, but we're not mass marketers, institutional brands. Like you're not talking about McDonald's. They do that mass market push. We have a little bit more of a challenge here is that we have to carve out exactly who it is that we're talking to and what is a message that resonates with them. It's more important than ever. So don't do the mass institutionalized perspective of like, you know, just putting the message out there. I'm telling you, it's going to fall on deaf ears. So to your point, if you're investing in getting on that stage, if you're investing in really promoting your book, then you want to be very, very specific around who the message is for, right? Do you understand them? Do you understand all of the things that matter in terms of crafting the message so that it stands out. You know, one of the things I love to say is I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I mean, think of it. How many brands of tea are out there, right? Exactly. I'm a specific brand of tea for a specific person. Yeah. But if I am and that person likes me, that person will only use me because I'm their cup of tea. That's a really important point, Kim, because how many times do we go into that self-doubt headspace? They're saying, oh, but there's so many coaches out there. There's so many health coaches or there's so many chiropractors or there's so many doctors or there's so many of this, this and that, but there's only one of you. And so the idea behind positioning is really highlighting the thing that makes you unique, right? The thing that makes you stand out. Because I promise you, if you're trying to be just like everybody else, you're not going to stand out. Or if you're trying to follow what that big player in the market, you're only ever going to be the second best version. And it's so inauthentic. And people can sense that. That's like an energetic thing. They sense it. So what about, you know, looking at who you are and highlighting those personality traits, whatever position you want to stand. There's some people who say, oh, I'm Christian based, or they they go into their faith-based type mm-hmm. of, of, of approach or political approach, whatever it is, right? Whatever it is, just claim your space because it feels aligned with who you are. And I think that's a really important thing. To your point, you're not everybody's cup of tea. That's good. <laughs> this is not for, yeah. either. Is it for me? I mean, I'm in a crazy competitive market in the online marketing space, but there's only one of me, right? So you will attract those people when you claim your space. I think that's a really important point there. Yeah, like, a, you know, I'm about seven, almost seven and a half years into being a publisher. And the first couple of years, I was kind of doing everything for everyone. And right. it wasn't that I wasn't making money, but I was working with a lot of people I really didn't want to, A, to begin with. And, you know, I couldn't charge the rates I wanted to. But when I niched niche, however you say it, depends which country <laughs> you're from, all of a sudden, I could start charging a lot rates because I specialize in one type of book only. I only do one type of book. My books are for entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches, and they write these books to build their business. Excellent. It's a very specific type of nonfiction book that generates income. 
That's perfect. See, like, you know, you have a specific audience in mind. The message is clear. The outcome is clear, right? That promise of how you're going to help them. Yeah, I think that that's so important in business because people think, well, if I, you know, if I niche down too much, I won't have enough people to sell to well you niche down well enough and you do your job well enough you don't have to sell to a lot of people because you can charge a whole lot more money for your products and your services and you don't have to deal with everyone you can deal with just the people you want to exactly exactly yeah so patty i'm gonna let loose we've already been talking about this a bit but i know you have some specific teaching and training that you want to talk about being a category of one so i'm gonna let you loose for a bit to share on that and then we'll talk about it a bit more Sure. Well, I'll kind of give a little bit of a mini masterclass on what it means to focus on your positioning. So you're probably thinking, well, is she talking about the website or logo and all that? No, I'm not talking about that. In fact, all of the things that you see out there in terms of branding are focused on the visual outputs, meaning the logo, the website, what kind of graphics and color scheme. And that's good, but you're putting the cart before the horse. And the reason is because the positioning is the equivalent. And I say it this way so that it really is like, oh, I get it now. Where when you think about positioning, think about the dream house, that that house of your dreams, the one that if money were no object, you can build it any way that you want, right? Positioning is the blueprint. It's you're going to pay an architect to build the blueprints because that's going to be the essential foundation. Unfortunately, it's the unsexy truth, which is why a lot of people don't talk about positioning, but you need the blueprints because if you don't, you have a house of cards, okay? Where most people focus on branding, it's like the equivalent of the curtains and the wall colors and what kind of couch am I going to have? All the fun stuff. And nobody's telling you to not do the fun stuff, but the important thing is to focus on the positioning first. And it really comes down to, I have a, a framework that I talk about where for me is specifically for entrepreneurs in the service-based arena. The first one is internal positioning. And the reason I focus on that first is because I genuinely, thoroughly, wholeheartedly believe that your business results will meet your identity every time, no matter what. So you can sit there and say, well, I'm a professional and I, I did this certification and so I see these self-sabotaging behaviors because I also do coaching on this and I have been a very, very much an advocate for working on the internal positioning first, where be honest, as you're listening to this, some of us will say, maybe if I take that course, then I'll have enough. Maybe if I take that certification, then I'll be enough and then I'll have enough for me to promote the book that I wrote or in order to even write a book, right? We have these stop gaps in the way that we're processing things that hold us back from putting the message out there. So the internal positioning, I, I have this whole like thing where I talk about, it's the triad of her success. I work primarily with women. And in the triad of her success, it's talking about self-love, right? Self-love, mm -hmm. just owning who you are, being comfortable in your own skin. It's yep. tapping more into, into intuition because your business intuition is something that it's like your internal compass, your true north. And then the other side of it is being abundant. Because if you're in comparisonitis, why does Kim get all the success? And then I don't. Well, then there, my friend, there's so many of the reasons why the things are holding you back, right? So we work on that first. In mm -hmm. fact, I would venture to say that work is never done because you're always going to be fine tuning. Like, what are the triggers that I'm going through that is causing this setback or this feeling that I'm getting that I'm not enough or I'm being in lack or all of these things. It's just a constant thing. The other side of it is that there's a new level, new devil, right? So some some clients of mine, they'll go from 5,000 a month to 80,000 a month, for example. And they'll be like, I can't 
push again or they'll retreat back to the level that they were because that's their safety zone right and yeah. it's um in the book the big leap i went through that too is to say oh i have an upper limit problem right i'm in that comfort zone where i'm good up to this point but then for me to get beyond that, there's some additional work I have to do. Again, internal positioning. The secondary part of it is external positioning. It basically goes to the fundamentals of mm -hmm. putting together the position that you need. It's for the market, understanding very, very clearly who you are marketing to, who you want to attract. It goes beyond geographics or the demographics it really goes into psychographics so much so that the the prospect will hear it and be like oh, it's like she's in my head it's like she yeah. really understands me and that's the highest compliment that you can get right so that's like the market the messaging right that's where we're going mm -hmm. into the messaging and then an offer right having the right kind of offers because if you're not making enough offers you're not making enough money right so a lot of yep. people have those types of, of things that hold them back in crafting their offer so it's compelling. And then the third and last segment of the whole positioning to profit framework is activation. Most mm -hmm. people start with activation and then they'll say, should I be on TikTok or should I be on Snapchat? It's like, no, no, no. We need to do this work first so that then you can take the right activation approach. Mm -hmm. Are you most comfortable on YouTube? Like you're, you can, are on LinkedIn. That's where your people are. Exactly that. This is an activation strategy. So that's mm -hmm. when all the tactics come into play. So strategy first, then the tactics. And that's how you're going to create that category of one and get the results you're looking for. You know, I loved what you said back in the beginning there and, and talking about the internal work. Um, how many times have had people tell me, oh, well, I've got to do this first before I'll be ready to write a book. And yeah, sometimes, okay, sometimes you're not ready to write a book. Okay, that, that's a pretty big hefty thing. But most of the, the reasons that people give me why they can't write a book are not really valid. They're just... They just really aren't emotionally, mentally ready. But you yeah. said something, you know, people are like, oh, I've got to have this certification. Can I be honest with you, audience? Nobody cares about your certification. <laughs> I have a whole video on that verbatim on my YouTube. I'm like, you know, nobody cares. Legitimately, nobody cares. If you look at the different people, like, for example, think about all of these big celebrities. It's because they built the personality. It doesn't mean they have the right accreditations, right? And so we, honestly, these things that we have that we need more certifications is simply not true. It's a self-sabotaging behavior where you're getting ready to get ready. I hate to tell you, but that's what I see. Tim, it sounds like you see the same thing, right? So take inventory and say, it's interesting. Procrastination and self-sabotage will show up in really sneaky ways because you think you're doing something. You're actually not. You're actually playing yep. it super safe and not moving ahead. Yeah. The thing is, is, and most people know, uh, and I'll tell you a few things that most people don't know. I mean, I was told at seven years old that I shouldn't write, that I wasn't a good writer. I carried those words around subconsciously for 30 years. Didn't write. Yes. Okay. I passed high school. You know, I got A's in English, but I became a publisher in my 40s. I've never been to college or university and I run a successful publishing company. And I learned how, you know, I had many years of entrepreneurship experience, which helped prepare me for this, but learning how to become a publisher, I just figured it out. Yeah. I was going to say, people are paying you for the results. They're not saying, Hey Kim, tell me what your GPA was. That doesn't, 
does it mean yeah. anything to the person they want the results that's what yeah. they're looking for my result is is i've worked with well probably 300 now but at least well over 200 people to become authors many of those books have gone on to be amazon international bestsellers i have clients who have sold thousands of books themselves i have had clients who have spoken all over the world there you go that's what people want to know they they don't want to know that oh i have an english degree no they want to know can i help them produce a book that's going to change their business the answer is yes and i think it's the same for the audience the focus should never be on you the focus should be on what results can you give your clients that will change their lives exactly yeah Now, Patty, I did not get a chance to ask you this question before we got on the show today because we were just having such a wonderful conversation. But have you authored anything, Patty? Well, I've been, that's a great question, Kim. I've been a contributing author in three different books and I have just a little guide that I wrote too. It's a little guide that I wrote. It's called the Mm -hmm. Positioning to Profit Guide and I really use it as a marketing tool, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. but I have another book in me, the real book, and there's an angle to it that I'm working towards. I'm working towards, but it's on the docket. It is most definitely something that I want to author and it's more around what it's taken for me to get to the space where I can say I'm prolific, right? It's a word that I use quite a bit, prolific. I have uh, products that use that because being prolific is really standing out. It's being really Mm -hmm. special and and doing all these things. And I encourage the women that I work with to claim that prolific space. So there's a book around that topic that I really want to author. But again, I want to, there's a whole concept I didn't write it. I wish I had. It's from Kevin Kelly. And I don't know if you've ever heard it, Kim. He has a blog post. It's pretty, it's pretty dated now, but it's still relevant. It's called 1000 True Fans. And I think this is a really important concept too that everyone should know is that we think we need to have a million fans or like, look at so-and-so, look at Tony Robbins, you know, he has millions across the world. Well, what if Kevin talks about it's like what if I told you it only takes a thousand true fans or I don't know if he calls them true fans or raving fans but that's it if you had a thousand raving fans you can have the business of your dreams right something really special you know and I love that concept so much I say it all the time because it really helps to place this idea like oh that is doable right that is doable that they're not just raving fans they're brand ambassadors exactly exactly the ones that sing your praises and share your story and buy whatever it is that you have to offer and really would be like oh are you having an event and over there across the globe i'm there you know those that's just a dream to work with people like that just like you said at the beginning it's like once you have that specificity of who you Mm -hmm. want to attract it's incredible what happens because guess what you don't have to work with any everybody. You can be yep. selective. And there's so much freedom when you get to choose who you want to work with, get to choose who your clients are that become the raving fans or the true fans. And there's something really magical about that. And everybody has the ability to do that. You know, I can't say every client of mine, because there's just been some clients that just has not worked out. But, you know, I would say 85 to 90% of my clients will not work with anybody else but me. That's great. Kim, that's really impressive. Yeah, that's what you want. Exactly what you want. Right? Of course, there's always going to be the little kind of bruised apple, <laughs> right? That that person is like, okay, I bid you adieu. Thank you so much. That was awesome. We're, you know, our engagement is over. And that's okay, because obviously, there's no such thing as perfect, right? So 
I've had some interesting people over the years. I'm a little bit more selective now, take a little bit more time in the process. But, you know, I had one person I worked with who we didn't realize at the time was bipolar. So when we started working with the person, they were fine. Everything was good. Then the other side of the bipolar showed itself and the rest of the journey was very harrowing let's just put it that way and and sometimes you can't tell and and you know we didn't wish this person any ill will in any sense of the form but just a very difficult person to work with because when you're writing a book it's not just you know facts and figures you're putting your heart your soul your emotions into these books you know you're sharing things about your life that you know you may not have shared before and you know it's like taking it's like giving birth to a child and putting it out to the world and saying hey is my child child lovable and not everybody loves your kid it's very it can be very rough emotionally and so you know it really got to this person but that was one person at the end of the process we're like we got through got the book published (laughs) we learned some things (laughs) yes complete side note but just something i've learned with because different things i've done in my life i've dealt with a lot of people with mental issues so here's one thing that i've learned is you know when they attack you they come at you emotionally you know one thing this person said is you don't like me you don't want to work with me you know and -hmm. the person just went on and on right so the emails that's what the emails would be like so i told my my project manager i said you do not deal with that stuff don't get fall into the trap because as soon as you tell tell this person once oh we like you yeah then they open the door right you're opening the door for a lot of that right so if you're working with someone who's you know emotionally difficult you don't deal with the emotions okay sorry if you're a life coach you have to deal with the emotions but (laughs) but if you're in a general service industry don't deal with the emotions because she would give us all this emotional stuff and then she'd say okay this this and this is wrong with the book so we never dealt with the emotional stuff when we emailed her back it was like okay thank you for emailing us we see you have these concerns about the book we'd relist the concerns and then we would address the concerns but we didn't we didn't address the emotional stuff because that's a huge pit if you fall into it once then you've got to be emotionally stroking them up all the time very true really off topic but just something i felt like maybe people need to know is you know that that's how you deal with it you deal with the problems that are going on with their product or service but you don't need to deal with feel like you have to deal with the emotional side of it unless of course that's your job (laughs) (laughs) and if it is i'm praying for you right now So Patty, we have a few minutes left and because you've you've been in a few of these these co-written books, there is a question that I ask every author who comes on the show. Mm-hmm. And the question is this, what was the good, the bad and the ugly about publishing those books, writing and publishing those books? The good is that in each one of those, it was a collaboration where I was invited to it. So it was a really nice opportunity. So I love that whole camaraderie and I've seen more people do it. I did it quite a while back. I think this was back in 2015. And I'm seeing more people do those types of collab books. And it is really nice to to collab. The bad is that for, I don't know that there was a bad. I just think that for my own, for my own sake, I believe that that's nice, but to me it's not a book book like I I really want to do my own book so I'm like but it's definitely on the docket I don't know who said the quote of like everyone has a book in them I really believe that and so I I won't feel like a real author until I have done that 
my own book, right? My own book, my own story, my own captions, my everything the way that I want. So I think that that's a really something that is very much a personal life goal that I want mm. to achieve. And I will, and I will, I know I will. And then the good, the bad, the ugly, the ugly is probably where I see a lot of these books and people have really beautiful ideas, but it, it never goes anywhere because they just don't know how to market the book. Yeah. So I see a lot of authors with books where it becomes their life's work. And I, it's sad to see that they don't capture the right type of attention in the book because they just don't know how to market it. And so they think it's it's a funnel. I see that a whole lot where people are like, you need a funnel, maybe partly, but that's not the whole thing. So I think that people have a lot of confusion in the marketplace of what it means to focus on your marketing. And I see a lot of that ugly in the online marketing space. I'm in it. Yeah. Not that I'm the ugly one. I'm the kind of the one that's over here on the side saying, you don't need that. That's a lot of hot air and I'm being really kind because I really have a lot of words about that because I see a lot of people being taken and that's the ugly part of it. Thank you for not using those words and protecting my (laughs) Apple good language rating. That was really hard, but I did it, Kim. No, that like, it's on brand for me to just throw in a word every now and then, but I'm being respectful because I am on this platform. So I know how to, I know how to hold back whenever I need You know, we have to shut down because we're just at the end here. But I think, you know, what you said is really important is it's not just about writing the book. You know, writing the book is like being pregnant and giving birth. It's only the beginning of the journey. You still got to raise this kid. I love it. That's exactly it. And I'm going to quote you and steal that because I love it. Because that's exactly what it is, is people think that this is it. I'm like, it's just a start. You know, you're just starting. Yeah. And like every other parent, you figure it out as you go along. Yeah, you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to continue to search for them and be willing to act on the answers that you have. You made a really important point and I could talk about this for an hour and I won't, but that is the thing where like, if there's ever a bottleneck in your business, maybe it's time for a who, who is, so it's being resourceful and Mm -hmm. asking the right questions and say, well, who can help me with that? And whenever I presented that, and it's not for me, it's 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 a whole book. But it's, it's the whole concept of like, don't get bogged down with like, oh, I got to do everything. You're not going to do everything yourself. It's about being resourceful and asking, well, who can help me with that? You know, it's funny you say that because I've been looking for one specific person for about four years now. I've been waiting to move forward with a certain aspect of my business, but I could not find the right person to work with. And I think yeah. I have finally, actually, there's two areas. One that's been about two years and the other one's about four years and I think I have finally just found the right two people to work oh, that's with great. Yeah. so that I can implement those things for 2023 and it's been a that's long funny. wait but I knew I had to wait for the right person now not exactly. always I mean there's things that you just need to get done but for me these were trusted positions you know it's going to have a major impact on my business so I wanted to make sure they were the right person and I truly mm-hmm. believed when the time was right for me mm-hmm these people would come. And I think I have finally found them. So I'm excited for, I don't want to say too much yet, because I don't have things in place. But once I do audience, you will be knowing about what's going on. All All I can hint at for 2023 is just watch out because we're going to be looks like we're going to be starting a pretty amazing community that's going to change entrepreneurs lives so that's all I can say at the moment excellent excellent so well we are out of time Patty I think you and I could keep talking forever 
I have yeah. so enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much Bye. for sharing. And this has been Patty Dominguez and Kim Thompson Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, remember what I always ask, share it out and let others know. Have a great day, everyone. And we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.